2: Yo! What's going on, everybody? This is BJN Radio, episode number 267. I'm Jimmy Kemsky with phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedingrewnation.com. I have uh, I have to get to a pool. Mm. My daughter is waiting for me there. Uh, so we're going to kind of harry this episode along. Um, we'll, we'll just we'll, What I mean by that is we'll go from point to point. We'll uh, get to a bunch of stuff, but but we'll move it along uh, in this episode. Uh, but before we do, Brandon, where can we uh, get the best meat snacks in the land? RighteousFellon.com, just chunk code
1: BGN20 for 20% off. Jimmy, let's just get right into today's
2: show. Where do you want to start? Well, I think we got to start with the trade that happened during mm-hmm. the off day on, uh, on Monday. Yeah, today's Tuesday, is that right? All these days are bleeding together at this point. But the Eagles trade, tight end. JJ Arthago Whiteside to the Seattle Seahawks for uh we'll call him defensive back. He's kind of a slot corner slash safety. Uh Ugo Amadi, uh, who I think Shiel used to like back mm. in his time with or I, I don't know if he was still there. I, I remember him talking about Ugo at one point. Um whatever. He's a cornerback slash safety. Um you know, has actually played in a decent he's actually has decent experience. Uh, in the NFL, he's played a bunch of games. Started, I don't, I don't have my notes up in front of him it's like of 17 him in front of you right so. now, but like twelve, fourteen games, yeah, Something like that. started. So fifty-something tackles last year, an interception, a forced fumble. Uh, so he's at least a guy who has played. Because um, I think that Jukowski Tart rather um, is not working out. He was a signing that the Eagles made in June. Um, he's been totally invisible in training camp and practices that he's been at. Uh, He was not at uh, a few practices um, uh, in between. But yeah, today, uh, the safeties, and I guess, well, I guess we may as well just say this right now since we're on safeties, but um, Marcus Epps was out. Anthony Harris was in. So Harris started. He played, but he got all the first team reps. And then that other safety spot, they sort of rotated guys in like Josiah Scott, Kayvon Wallace, and Reed Blankenship. Got first team reps today, guys. Who did not get first team reps? Uh, interestingly, were Andre Sacharay and Jukowski Tart. So not looking good for Jukowski Tart with uh, this trade for Ugo Amadi. It's worth noting that Ugo Amadi is in his fourth year, and because he had he he had enough qualifying snaps played his first three years in the NFL, he earned what is called a performance. Uh no, player performance escalator. Nerd which, mean, <laughs> which means that uh he's gonna count on the salary cap for twenty-five for uh two point five million dollars, uh, roughly. So it's expensive. He's 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 an expensive player for the kind of role that he would serve with the Eagles should he make the team uh possible, they can get him to lower that number. I wonder if the Seahawks tried to do the same and Ugo said piss off. And, they, and then they traded him uh, to the Eagles instead. Uh, but, of course, the bigger story from the Eagles' perspective is that J.J. Ortega-Whiteside is no longer on the team. Uh, Second-round pick, of course, um, in yeah, 2019. Yep. Um, and, of course, the irony here is that he now uh, is teammates <laughs> with the player that the Eagles should have drafted, D.K. Metcalfe. Right.
1: Maybe he can outshine him there. Maybe he's going to go there and be like, you know what, DK? I'm the better draft pick after all, baby. That's right. Um, You know, it's a worthwhile trade is how I'll describe it for the Eagles. I'm not going to give them a gold star for this because you have to, I think, add the context of, you know, JJ being a bust, which, you know, to his credit, as we've talked about before, I think he did a good job of rebranding himself last season as total bust into salvageable, like at least contributing as a special teams player Uh, enforcer i I was just gonna say (laughs) called him their enforcer shortly after last season that role clearly now belongs to zach Paschal, who's an upgraded version of jj actually can do some things as a pass catcher um so you know whatever uh good luck to jj nothing against him in terms of you know i think he worked hard like you said he just he wasn't Mm -hmm. good and you know can't he tried. It wasn't it wasn't for a lack of effort. It wasn't for a lack of focus. Uh just, just ended up not being that good. So disappointing. Yeah, he'll be a
2: player that's forgotten, I think, pretty quickly, as opposed to, you know, uh a player that sort of leaves a distaste in Marcus. the mouths of fans nice. for, for an extended period of time. Because he wasn't a jerk. He was he's a nice guy. Sure. Like you said, he played hard. He tried to do anything he possibly could to help the team, special teams, move to tight end, whatever you want to call it. Um and he just like you said, he just wasn't he just wasn't a good yeah. football player uh, by NFL standards. So, um, yeah, the JJ era is over to be determined if the Eagles will continue to trade other, uh, disappointing high picks, uh, such as Andre Dillard. I think that's not super likely, but possible. And Jalen Rager, which I think is a legit possibility. Um, and of course, uh, we have joint practices coming up Mm. in, uh, and yeah, I guess we'll get to that more about that a little bit later, but, um, They begin on Thursday and Friday. I think solid performances by guys like Dillard and Rager um, are similar to performances that they're putting on tape uh, in preseason games because all these teams kind of talked like are scout, all these scouts talk to each other. Yeah. And, you know, a scout isn't going to trust what a Philadelphia scout (laughs) says about Jalen Rager or Andre Dillard, but. They're going to trust what a Brown scout says about Andre Dillard or, or Jalen Rager. So uh, we'll see how they play in these joint practices. But uh, as far as practice goes, I did want to have, uh, I did have
1: one more note, sorry, on Ugo okay. Amadi. Uh, yep. Kind of undermentioned he did have fourteen punt returns for two hundred and twenty-three yards in his final season at Oregon, which is a fifteen point nine average, which is really good. I still think he had a touchdown in there too. So also, you know, you could throw him in the mix as a returner as well. I love the idea of a corner a defensive back, cornerback, or safety who returns punts. That's exciting to me. And there's some juice there. I don't know if he's actually any good at in the NFL. He hasn't done it, I think, since college. But uh, you know, I should just feel like it's worth mentioning that he might also take some reps there. All right uh Practice today. Did you hear that outside my window? No. Okay, good. I hear like something. What giant was that? like dump truck or something. Like, I did trash hear that. It's like rumbling very loud outside.
2: Sorry, everyone. <laughs> there was a guy blowing leaves outside my house too. I don't know if you heard that or not. Oh, and leaves. Uh, anyway, freaking August sixteenth. Uh, yeah, there's we were blowing something. There's kind of debris. Actually, there are a lot of leaves kind of down too what the heck? because there was. I don't know. It was windy a couple of days ago, and leaves probably out, whatever. This has been your BJ um, radio weather report. <laughs> <laughs> practice today. It was practice number twelve of uh, training camp, and it was the last. It was the final media-attended uh, practice at the Novacare Complex. Yes. So again, we'll have two more joint practices in Cleveland. We'll have two joint practices in Miami, uh, but this was the last training camp practice in Philadelphia at the Novacare Complex. No pads, just helmets today. Um so they've actually went like an hour and a half today, so it was it was a decent enough uh practice. Where do you want to start? I guess we can start with Jalen Hurts. Um I thought
1: through a certain point of practice he was kind of more gonna have a stock even day. Thought there was some issues earlier on where we well, actually started off practice with a really nice uh loft of the ball to Zach Pascal in the in the front right corner of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh Pascal was pretty wide open, but you know, credit to him for getting open on that play. Uh, Slay was kind of trailing there a little bit. uh, like a soft spot, I guess, in the zone. And, uh, but after that, I thought he wasn't so great because the offense failed to punch it into the end zone after that in this red zone 11 on 11 series where I thought he took multiple sacks in that drill. And there's one play where I thought he was sacked, but he got the ball off to Pascal in the front right, Mm -hmm. uh, back right corner, I should say, of the end zone. And the ref, I was standing right in front of that play too. And Pascal was not in, and the ref also ruled him out. And again, I thought it was a sack anyway. Didn't like, you know. Play was basically over. Uh, so not the best start, but I think he kind of rebounded. He had a uh, good completion to Devonte Smith along the left sideline. Also, a play that <laughs> was probably a sack, not his fault on that time though. Whereas I thought he was holding on the ball too long earlier. That play, Reddick had just like instantly got into the backfield to b- kind of blow him up. Uh, and he, but he ended up rolling left, which is something that is not really a strength of his, or at least hasn't been to this point. And he fired a nice pass, or at least a pass that gave a chance for Devontae Smith to make a, a really nice leaping catch along the sideline, keeping both feet in. And then I think what was the play of the day, objectively, I might take a different play for our standing sake here, but we do at the end. But, I mean, I thought he had a really good ball. Probably his best, arguably his best throw of training camp when he hit A.J. Brown down the right sideline. Uh, a lot of, like, it was out quick, decisive. There was a lot of zip yep. on that throw. Placement was perfect to beat uh, Josh Job, who had been filling in for James Bradbury at cornerback. One and then Kevon Wallace, who was
2: also in, so not the
1: best secondary there, but still, it was a really high quality throw. I thought.
2: Yeah, James Bradbury left uh, practice early today. By the way, went to the medical tent. I don't think he came back, so uh, well, updates will be. He didn't update, come back okay, in the ahead. drills, but I thought I saw him on the sideline. Okay, well, updates will be forthcoming on him, I imagine. Uh, but I agree with your throw on the right on on the on, you know, down the right sideline. Yeah. So um, normally you put loft on that throw and try to lead him down the field, but I thought the throw—he um, he muscled it in, yeah. you know, had some heat on it because it had to beat Kayvon Wallace to the spot who yep. was coming over from his safety spot. And yeah, I agree, that was a great throw, and um, you know, hard. I mean, it's another decision that the quarterback has to make, making that throw, seeing the field, and knowing that the safety is um you know i eye- eyeballing that and knowing to muscle in there in that in that circumstance as opposed to uh lofting it down the field great throw i've actually thought cave was a little slow getting over there mm-hmm. but uh the throw beat him never the throw beat him sure. and you know, i mean it's not not hurts his fault that came was slow getting over but mm-hmm. i agree great throw by him for sure the other throw that i thought was uh was was good was um uh, it was a sack again, like you mentioned. And they just kept the, the, the rep alive anyway. And he, and he rolled to his left and he threw to Devontae Smith, mm-hmm. who went up high for the second time in two practices. He he had nice hops for, for a pass near the sideline. Yeah. Um, He's good, man. He, he, He's a good player. He, yeah, he, Devontae Smith is very good for sure. I mean, we've been talking about A.J. Brown all mm-hmm. camp. And part of that is because Devontae Smith missed, uh, missed some time. But Devontae is starting to hit his stride and uh yeah he, he's had some really nice catches the last two days and this one happened to be he was coming back toward his quarterback who was scrambling around and looking for somebody who was a you know an off-schedule play at that point I mean play was dead because it was a sack but again they kept the the rep alive uh and he did a really nice job going up for that pass ball had heat on it and he with good hands snagged it out of the air kept his feet in stayed a balance he had another catch uh, again along the sideline where he caught it and was hit by I think did you mention this already by Josh Sweat? No, I mentioned uh, the first one you mentioned. Who was oddly uh out way out on the on the perimeter yeah, ignore that uh, on mark. that play in coverage? <laughs> Josh Sweat was in was basically in coverage on Devontae Smith, or he was in the area and he pushed Devontae as he was making the catch and going out of bounds. Devontae kept both feet in. Uh, so I mean the Eagles receivers look good, man, mm-hmm. with uh AJ Brown, Devontae Smith. Quez we know can do some things. And Zach Pascal's looked yeah. good too, as we mentioned as well. So those top four guys, I mean, it's it's the best top four group of receivers, I think, that they've had uh in some time. I think that the the best comparison um would be, you know, Macklin, Djax, Jason Avant. I don't even remember who their fourth receiver would have been at that time, but I think this this group of four the is um yeah, I guess it would be, yeah. Uh, but I think this group of four is is really something. is 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 really a group that uh that that can that can do some damage this season. I agree. And then
1: you know we've talked about Rager too, who mm-hmm. still not like I don't like trust him when he's out there. I'm not going to be like oh he can make a play, but he's been more encouraging than he previously. Good catch today too. Really good catch today in a tight window, diving catch uh, as going to the ground. Still think again best situation there for everyone involved as he gets traded. Uh, and I just don't think it makes the most sense in the world just to keep him as a fifth receiver and like just in case of emergency use him because you know, you're not getting like good value out of that in terms of your roster spots and special teams and everything. But in any case um, it's a one through five, really, even it's just, you know, it's a, it's a good group. I mean, you could Mm -hmm. you'd usually have worse fifth receivers than I think what Rager kind of is showing you right now in camp. Um, So definitely uh, that's encouraging.
2: Uh, What else? Before we move on, let's keep it with receiver one for one last thing. Britton Covey had a ton of catches today uh, all over the field, primarily over the middle. There was maybe some uh, thought that his roster spot was in peril after he, I guess he, how did that go? Did he post on his own social media account, whether it was Instagram or whatever, that he tore. Ed Kratz. I I
1: saw, uh, you know, good friend ed kratz had posted he had tweeted after the game on friday night something about Cuffy saying to him that he had sprained well, ligaments Covey said it. Okay. in his thumb and would be out for a decent amount of time
2: yeah so it's just a it's just a thumb sprain basically uh he was limited i believe on sunday it was a full go today mm-hmm. again caught passes all over the field so he's back yeah. <laughs> like he's he forget forget that injury that injury is a non-factor at this point um, he's going to be a full go during joint practices and assume, and presumably, uh, for the second preseason game, uh, against the Browns as well. Why do we, uh, well, what else do you want to get into? What are some of the other observations? So, you know? I thought, uh, Kenny Gainwell yeah. has had an underwhelming camp. I was also going to um, get to him. You and I debated a little bit on, so I thought he had two drops today. Mm-hmm. One was clear. It was an out route to hit him in the hands and dropped it. That was on the right the side other, of the field. Yeah. The other was a back shoulder throw in the end zone. Ball had heat on it. He had to dive a little bit for it. Um, I think it's a play he should have made. You thought it was maybe, uh, you thought maybe I was being a little hard on him Uh, definitively. You you would agree that was a drop at least though, right? I
1: don't know if he should have made it. I think he, you know, he had a chance, but I think it would have been a really hard catch to
2: make. Okay. And then we argued over who had the better vantage point on that. On that, uh, I was standing right in flight. front of him. I was literally like, <laughs> like five feet in front of me, and you were at the back of the
1: end zone. You were at least like thirty feet away.
2: All right, I'll I'll, uh, I'll concede. Um, but to a larger point, though, po- point being, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, he just Go has you had
1: yeah. the kind of training camp you would want to see from uh, a player who people have been thinking might be able to make a leap from year one to year two, especially as a pass catcher. And I saw some of that. Uh, There's some like I I tweeted out during today's practice that he just I don't think he's made the kind of leap that you would want to see. And some people had responded like, well, you know, how much can you get out of a running back in practice? And I think generally there is some truth to that. But first of all, I mean, Miles Sanders looks pretty good in practice. It's pretty, you know, you can tell he looks good as a runner. So don't fully agree with that. And number two, pass catching running back. You would think that player more than any other kind of running back would stand out in a practice setting. And he really hasn't. And now, in fairness, I thought Gainwell really came, kind of came alive last training camp in the joint practices specifically and later in camp. So maybe he's going to save that again. But to this point, and you know we're 12 practices in, I just haven't seen anything that really makes you go, oh, that's intriguing or special. I think mm-hmm. he's kind of been fine at best and at worst, like your third best running back option.
2: So I think that when you think when you look back to like when Darren Sproles was here, he'd make plays all the time in the passing game during practices. And this is and I'm not even talking like Darren's new and exciting to the team, Darren Sproles. I mean, like toward the back end of his Eagles career, um, he'd be making plays like that uh, pretty consistently in practice like when almost like when it was like oh he's back again mm-hmm. and then like he would he would have good practices he would stack good practices and, and make catches all over the field and Campbell just hasn't done that no nope. and when opportunities have come his way he hasn't made uh, you know all the plays that, that I think he should have, he should have made and uh, you know I wonder when you get into the regular season and I've mentioned this before but there's a balance that you have to try to figure out between do you want him on the field to create mismatches against linebackers and safeties, or you better off just putting your best players on the field and throwing to them, no matter who they're matched up against. Mm. And I lean heavily toward the latter. Just the play, your play, your best players are going to win games for players, not plays. Yes, exactly. So um, I I've been, yeah, it's been, he's had a disappointing camp in my opinion and my, like any, (laughs) any uh, thought that, Miles Sanders is anything other than the number 1 running back and then everyone else is a distant number 2 is uh is just flat out wrong. I feel like I have more trust
1: in Boston Scott than Gainwell right now. I agree. Not that I think Scott has a limited ceiling. I think he's a nice, you know, kind of backup running back, rotational guy. Um but I just I think he gives me a higher floor than what Kenny Gainwell does. Um Not that Gamewell has been like a disaster or terrible, but just kind of underwhelming is what I would say. So that's on him. Uh, Anyone else that you want to get to? (laughs) That's that's
2: on him. That's on him. Uh, Yeah. So I think we should also um, mention Dallas Goddard. Okay. Who he's one of these guys now that we don't talk about in our practice notes or on the podcast because we know he's a good player. Mm -hmm. We know he's a complete tight end. We know he's got pretty much no holes in his actual game aside from maybe some durability concerns. He drops here And, and there. so we so we know what he is. And you know what he is. All the all the listeners, all the readers, they know they know exactly what Dallas Goddard is. He's been dominant. And he like so we've we've talked a lot about how much Jalen Hurts is throwing to uh AJ Brown. Well, Dallas Goddard is getting a very healthy share of targets as well. And he's connected with, with we saw him, you know, have a touchdown, of course uh in the preseason game, uh where he kind of like jumped backwards in, <laughs> into the end zone uh after like a scissor concept. Uh it wasn't on, on the, the touchdown. Him, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, it's not a normal uh, touchdown throw. <laughs> He kind of like it was almost like he was like the goofy uncle like jumping into the pool <laughs> the way that he went in. Uh but he's got a great camp in my opinion. And uh I and we mentioned the four receivers of course earlier in 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 Brown and Smith and Pascal and 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 Quez Dallas Goddard is you know going to be probably the who do you think gets more targets I I think we we, I think we we both agree at this point that AJ Brown is going to get more targets than Devontae Smith safe to say who's going to get more targets between Dallas Goddard and and Devontae Smith it might be Goddard I think I agree yeah and that's not me
1: obviously not believing in Devontae Smith. I just think reading the room. No, you're like Devonte Smith number one I fan. Know, but just looking at the situation in terms of who like Hurts actually likes to throw to, I think he seems to like to throw to AJ and Goddard more. And now, you know, Devontae has been getting mixed in a good amount more recently. So that's nice to see mm-hmm. a better balance. But if we're talking about order, I think it's AJ Brown one, Goddard two, Devontae Smith three. Although I think two and three will be closer as opposed yeah. to, I think there's going to be a gap after AJ and then two and three will be close.
2: You look at like number one uh, receiver, number two receiver, number one tight end. The combination of those like three specific players aren't there. Many, aren't there many teams in the NFL like a match with the Eagles have there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah. Anyway, bottom line, Dallas Goddard had a big day today, and he's had a lot of big days in this camp. We just haven't mentioned him. I thought uh, he, was, he was worth mentioning today.
1: I agree. That connection, Hertz to Goddard was very active, especially in the red zone when they were doing some red zone stuff. And that first 11-on-11 first, uh, 11 11 red zone sequence I didn't think was very good for Hertz. But then there was a couple, at least one later, where he was actively hitting Goddard a lot, and that was better to see. Um, all right. Uh, anything else before we take a break?
2: Uh, well, are we going to get to Hertz after the break? Well, yeah, we'll do his his stock report okay. after the break. All right. Well, let let me tell you about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, then. Uh, 856-906-9295. If you're looking to buy or sell your home, God rated Kristen Roach as the best realtor in the history of the universe. Again, 856-906-9295. Brandon. Back after this.
1: We're back here on BGN Radio, which is brought to you by Kristen Roach, Roach Realtors, in addition to Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which you can get for yourself by going to righteousfelon.com. Again, no commitment when you just go to the website. Website is free. You go there, you look at what they have, doesn't cost you a thing. If you want to buy something, though, use discount code BGN20 for a special time right now. Limited offer, BGN20, to get 20% off your order. You want to do that now, because eventually it's going to go back to BGN 15, where you only get 15% off. So why don't you capitalize on that right now, BGN 20, for 20% off your order at com. Do it. Jimmy, it's time. Yes. To get in to our superlatives here, starting with Jalen Hurts' stock report. Again, I thought at a certain point in practice, I think I had asked, you know, BGN alumnus Mike K. I I was like, what are, you, what are you thinking about Jalen Hurts' performance today? And definitely not a stock down. It was between stock up and stock even. And that was mm-hmm. before the AJ Brown throw, which is a really impressive throw. So I think that kind of solidified it as a stock up day for him. So I think, and I, I asked you after
2: practice as well, and you said stock up. So that's where we're going. <laughs> yeah, I haven't missed stock up. Um, one thing I did want to touch on with uh, Joe and Hurts real quick was Elliot asked Nick Siriani on Sunday. Mm. About what he thought of Hertz's decision making uh, in the first preseason game, as it as it pertains to you know leaving the pocket, uh, leaving a clean pocket, whether whether he was you know whether he did a good job staying in the pocket or leaving the pocket when when uh, justified, and the answer that Nick Sirianni gave was essentially that um, like you're not just leaving the you're not only leaving the pocket. When protection breaks down, like you might, if there if there's nobody open initially, or a receiver slips, or something like that, you might leave the pocket even if the pocket's still clean, because you know you're going to have to buy time eventually and and find somebody down the field on an off schedule play. Um, So he kind of got into that uh, on Sunday, and then Shane Steichen talked today. He got asked a similar question uh, about that, and you know it's kind of become a thing as it should, like because there have been times where Jalen Hurts is in the pocket and he's got a clean pocket and there are receivers that are open. So like what Nick Sirianni is talking about isn't like, doesn't apply all the time because there are receivers open sometimes down the field that he's either not seeing, or he doesn't trust to to pull the trigger most notably, you know, in the, in the Buccaneers playoff game uh, last year. But I did just want to note quickly that I do think Sirianni's point is valid. And I remember back to like, 2019 when we were kind of nitpicking the opposite rightfully so by the way of Carson Wentz where I don't know do you remember this one when there was a big thing about trying to get him out of the pocket more and Hmm. on the move Um,
1: Doug's not using him right so
2: so it was kind of like the opposite (laughs) where you know we were we were saying Carson Wentz has to get out of the pocket and, and make and make more plays uh, from outside the pocket. Whereas, you know, we're saying now Joan Hurts needs to make the plays that are there from the pocket as opposed to, uh, you know, leaving the pocket. So we're kind of like pocket bullies in a sense. Uh, in Philadelphia, it's kind of like a, a weird thing that 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 we do here. And, it's, and we've done that with other quarterbacks uh, in the past as well. Um, you know, not every quarterback is going to be Aaron Rodgers who can sit in the pocket and just pick you apart all day from the pocket. And also can get outside the pocket and make crazy throws on the run and and make plays with his legs. Like not everyone is going to be that. And certainly Jalen hurts is not, you know, like Tom Brady from the pocket and he's not anything close to that, obviously. Uh, But I think, you know, the trade-off of him, not, you know, seeing everything from the pocket or being willing to make every throw from the pocket and, you know, maybe leaving, leaving the pocket um, when his protection hasn't yet, broken down. I think the trade-off on what he gives you with his ability to make plays with his legs and, and on the move, I think you're like, for the most part, you know, that trade-off is fine. Uh, certainly you want to see the improvement uh, from the pocket and him being able to make plays there. But as far as today goes, like I thought that when he, he left the pocket quite a bit today, but when he did, he made, made plays when he did. And that's sort of like uh it's sort of like a a not sort of like it. It is one of the positive traits of his game in that he can extend plays and and uh, and you know make plays off the, like making off schedule plays is is the best part of of his game in my opinion. You want to be careful not to put into his head too much that you have to stay in the pocket because um, I think if he loses sort of uh, the thought of you know having the freedom to to make plays with his legs and, and get on the run and make throws on the run then uh you sort of compromise what um in you know his 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 you know, sort of like instincts uh and, and how he makes plays on the football field as opposed to trying to make him something he's not.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't Does that make sense to you? I've never criticized him for that. But like that's not my criticism. Oh no,
2: I'm not. I'm not targeting this at you by any. Yeah, means I, well. no,
1: I get that. But I'm just saying, like, to me, I yeah, I don't disagree. But that's it's not. It's not about him having to win from the pocket always. It's about I think a little bit more often, and it's about it's about decision making and seeing the field. He, I think, it's inarguable that he's held the ball on for too long in his career to this point. As a rookie, he had a three point three second started three point three nine average time to throw in terms of seconds. That was the slowest in the league. Next closest was Lamar Jackson at 3.17. So that's like a big mm-hmm. gap, too. That like that point 22 gap. So now last year <laughs> yes. in 2021, um I'm pulling it up here.
2: 3.0 something, right?
1: It it was It was it, still it was still longest in the league. It was still longest in the league. Improved from 3.39 to 3.21, but still again oh, like the, okay. the next the next closest after that is is uh, James Winston and Lamar both at three point oh nine. It's just, I just think that's too long. I don't think you you want to be that guy. I I don't think you want to. I think some of that some of that speaks to his ability to create plays on the run. I agree, and I don't need him to be Tom Brady all of a sudden and like have the fastest release. Actually, it was like Mm -hmm. it was Brady last year in Big Ben. They were like at two point two seven and two point three five. They're two of the fastest. I don't need him to be that, but I think I need him to be somewhat like maybe under. Like let's say Josh Josh Allen. Let's take him for example. He's at like two point eight, which is point four mm-hmm. seconds quicker, which I think is significant. I mean that that seems kind of crazy. <laughs> in reality, point four seconds is not a lot, but I think you'd like to see. Well, oh, on get, average over the course of a season, it certainly is. Yeah, right. But I'm talking, yeah. talking about this like you know a moment in time. Point four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but um, I think it's significant. I think it's I think it's too long. And like I thought, Jalen Hurts had a good day today. Yes, to be clear. And there were times, like the A.J. Brown throw, where – and I love to see it. Quick, decisive, ball is out, boom. I, and I like to see mm-hmm. that a lot. But I think I go back to that early sequence in the red zone, holding the ball, holding the ball, holding the ball. Even the throw to Devontae, which, you know, was a sack. And I and I said it wasn't on him. But the point is there's a lot of plays in practice. So let me strike that. Not the Devontae play. my Bad job by me. But there's been a lot of plays in practice where, like <laughs> – He's just been sacked, and he gets the ball off anyway, and like fans in attendance, and maybe the stats show like it was a good play, but it's like it's a sack, man. He's holding on to the ball for forever. So uh, I've said it a billion times. I'll say it again. I think it's been feast or famine in terms of him either like getting the ball really quick and knowing what to do with it, or like panicking, kind of like getting it and they're just not seeing it and kind of just holding, holding, holding. And I just think he holds onto the ball too long at certain times, which might manifest again in another season where he's like has one of the slowest time to throws in the NFL, and. I don't think that extreme point is where you want to be ideally.
2: I think there's been some improvement there. Um, It's just, it's not where you want it to be, obviously. Um, But I think, and it's a work in progress, no doubt. And he doesn't hang on to the ball for a long time. Uh, I will say also
1: like, sorry to cut
2: you in there, but I'm thinking like, Okay, if
1: he's going to hold on to the ball, better be like a big play, you know, make a big play or like an important play that's worth it. Not like hold on to the ball forever so you can get like a five yard check down. Like, what is that? Like, what is that really? You know what I mean? It's one thing if you're holding on to it because there's risk in holding on to it. It could be a fumble, could be a sack, whatever. Like if you're going to take that risk, like let's see it make it worth it. Like try to extend for a big play as opposed to you're extending it just because like you're kind of lost and there's no one there. And I'm also tired of hearing that no one's open because guess what? You have to have anticipatory throws at some point. You have to throw people open. And that's another thing why I don't kind of believe in him in a bigger picture. I don't think he's necessarily done that to the fullest extent where I believe in that ability where he's throwing receivers open and throwing to a spot and letting them make a play uh, in time like that. So anyway, stock
2: up. Well, he has receivers that are going to get open this year. So that's not going to be an excuse during the regular season this year because you know, last year his receiver, Devonte Smith and he had Dallas Goddard. And beyond that, he's, you know, R- Rager's out there for like 700 snaps and uh you know, JJ's out there like sometimes. So like, you know, it's, uh, it, he, this year, we already, I mean, we already said in this very podcast, but already, you know, kind of went through the receivers and the tight end and how good they're, they're going to be this year. Those guys are going to get open. So that's not going to be an excuse this year. Uh, but you know, I, I, I certainly agree with the point that, uh, that you have to throw guys open sometimes and anticipation throws are going to certainly help with that. Um, But again, like (laughs) you just, you don't want to totally sap him of um, you know, his playmaking instincts though, as well. Sure.
1: I, you know, it's about finding the right balance as with most things. Um, So stock up day for him again. Yeah. I mean, I was critical there, but I think in this day specifically, he was, he was good. And for sure. Let's see if he can stack those days. If he's, I'm going to feel a lot better about him and a lot better about the team if he's going out against Cleveland and if he's going out against Miami and he's looking like pretty good and he's, you know, he's beaten up on those defenses. Who's your uh, MVP? Noah Tangiai, baby. He had a really good catch in the, and it's kind of a, you know, cumulative thing for him. We've talked about him before. I think he deserves some love. I think he's making plays out there. And we've talked about this before about like, you know, could he make the roster and you were like, they're probably not going to cut Calcaterra. I mean, like Calcaterra has missed a lot of practice time now. And also, the age difference isn't that big. Noah Tangiya is playing his age 25 season this year, turned 25 in July. Calcaterra is playing his age 24 season this year. It's not that like, you know, Calcaterra is the super young, high upside prospect guy. And you're kind of going with the, you know, the lower ceiling person in Tangiya. Like, it's not that big of a difference. And I think, you know, for a third tight end spot like that, I think you kind of have to go with the guy who might be more available. Because the other thing too, like I, I just still think going back to one of the negatives of drafting Calcaterra, like how do, you, how do you kind of weigh what happens if he gets a concussion again? You know, is he going to retire again? Is he going to walk away? Like I think that's a fair question to kind of wonder about if you're the team because it's happened before.
2: Um, so I would lean with Tanguyai right now. Tanguyai's had, uh, I mean, Calcaterra's barely even played. So obviously Tanguyai's had a much better camp um, and he's made play- he's made a lot of catches every day in practice. Uh, he had four catches in the preseason game. Big day today, as you mentioned. Um, I can't see them keeping him over mm-hmm. Calcaterra. Like I think Calcaterra is going to be on the team. This is Tongi's third season, so he almost made the team his rookie year as an undrafted free agent in 2020. Mm-hmm. They cut him. Colts claimed him. Uh, Colts cut him eagles nobody even claimed them. the eagles just signed him to the signed him to their practice squad he was a what do they call them the uh, he, was, he signed a futures contract yeah. with the eagles this uh, offseason in january or february or whatever it was and um those guys typically got guys of that kind of profile have a steep uphill climb mm-hmm. uh, to make the team and typically if you do cut them at, at cut downs, they're, you're going to be able to get him back on the practice squad, so I think they could safely bring him back. Maybe. Whereas I think like a guy like Calcaterra is going to get claimed by somebody. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was a six round pick. Um, somebody, I'm sure, other teams liked him in the draft, and they go, "What? He had a hamstring injury, and that's why they cut him? Really? I'll take them <laughs> because, you know, not all these teams have uh, as good a depth as the Eagles do. Like the, 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 this year is a little bit different for the Eagles in terms of looking at the 53 in that in previous seasons, you could easily get to like 46 or 47 players and feel really good about them. And then you're just kind of like, all right, I guess I'll keep him, 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 and him uh, to get to 53. Whereas this year it's really easy to get to 53 and be, be, maybe in like 54, 55, and it's hard making like the final two or three cuts. Like you're like, I, I think, you know, this guy has, should make the team or this guy should make the team, but you have to leave them off because there's just not enough room for them. Um, so that's kind of where we're at this year with, uh, with, and, and I think that tight end position is, is a good example of that because it's not always fair because Tang, Tangi I should on merit mm. should make the team clearly uh, over Calcaterra, but Calcaterra is a draft pick and he, Played decent enough, I guess, mm-hmm. the first couple practices before he got hurt. But he's going to get every opportunity to, to, you know, show what he can do or whatever. Um, he better get back quick, though. Like yeah. it, it, he can't like just be out into the regular right. season with uh, and and expect to make the team. I wouldn't imagine he's got to get back at some point, uh, or else somebody's going to make the team over him. I would imagine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this is a I think Tongi Ice Camp is a clear example a potentially clear example if if he gets cut of how unfair uh training camp can be for some of these guys maybe the eagles wouldn't mind if Calc- calcaterra came back like a little too early
1: and then you just tw- the IR arm well yes yeah, what i mean like T- tweak his hamstring <laughs> worse and then to the point where yes. they put him on the the long term you know like the full season ir like pre yeah. pre 50 roster pre 53 player roster cut down ir um where he's just out for the year i think they wouldn't mm. mind that i think that would actually be the ideal situation give him a year to kind of spend on a, a stash and then tangyai is probably more ready right now to be that tight end three yeah. um but yeah i'll give my mvp point to him because i think he's had a good camp and oh and i i don't know if i even described the play but the play was that gardner Minshew kind of floated a ball into the end zone high where tangyai could make a play on it and the defense couldn't and he basically just mossed ande ande Shashire, just went up got it caught it like right over and Shashire didn't even have bad coverage just wasn't as big as him wasn't able to defend it and uh an offense was pretty fired up about that play too. Like they everyone was in the end zone celebrating after that one. That was a that was a pretty legit catch. And I think I think like the 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 celebration there kind of spoke to at least at some level, like players being happy for him. Like that's a guy who's had a good camp. Uh-huh. You deserved that play. We're all happy for you. Like you you deserve that
2: touchdown. So sportsmanship. I'll actually piggyback off that play too. Okay. I, I thought he had separation okay. on on that play. I thought the ball was Actually, not a great ball by Gardner Minshew. was a little behind him. Well, I thought him. he gave it a chance to make a play. Like, he put so it, he put it up high. Where he had it height-wise was where it had to be. I agree. But he threw it behind him a little bit. So okay. Tangier had to come back for the ball and, and actually gave Sashari a chance to make a play on the ball. But as you said, Tangier mossed him mm-hmm. in the back of the end zone. And uh, and yeah, there was a, there was a, a good celebration. After. In fact, Jeff Stoutland was yelling <laughs> at offensive linemen uh, to get in the end zone and celebrate like, yeah. who Who did he say oh, coyote get in the get your ass in the end zone <laughs> and then jack anderson get your ass in the end zone then they had to like run in and celebrate with them so uh, yeah <laughs> so that, was, that was like a, a kind of an exciting play for uh for you know the, the second team offense yeah.
1: against the second team defense they just like hey uh doug always had him do that too he would he would want the guys to sell it like if you if you yeah. earn that celebration go out and celebrate man like <laughs> you know right. like it's i think there's a there's an alpha mentality to that too in terms of like make the defense feel like embarrass the defense now that you've scored on them <laughs> like rub it in make them feel even worse for giving up that play that's right um all right uh <laughs> who's your mvp i'm going
2: goddard i already talked about okay. him so we can just move right along who's uh, your lvp pay. i'll let you go first uh i don't know yet uh the, if you have one let it rest kenny gainwell i mean oh yeah, yeah. yeah. i'll go kenny gainwell. we'll go i'll go double kenny gainwell because yeah i think it's because we he doesn't have any yet right correct it's not that he so had a disastrous
1: practice but i think it's just been it's more of a cumulative thing didn't have a good yeah. practice and also just hasn't had the kind of summer you would want to see from him yeah and i don't have anything more to add because we already touched on him earlier so uh what's your play of the day it's to me i'm actually i feel like you're gonna go are you gonna go with the aj brown one i'm going the aj brown okay, one so yeah. i don't want to double up on that because i feel like it's not fair to give and in porto a i kind of getting uh shafted a little bit here in the play of the day <laughs> that there was other two catches a bunch of good plays today but i did give him the mvp yeah and there were good plays so it's tough but i'm gonna give the, the Devonte catch along the left sideline i was right in front of that too and that was just like really i just thought it was incredible how not only again does he leap up and get the ball pretty high but like the ability to keep two feet in bounds. And it's so clearly like, he's just so under control and it's such skill. It's not just luck. Like he's very he's such a technically like he's a precision player. He is very skilled and he's deserving of it. So
2: I'm biased. He doesn't look as skinny to me this year as he okay. did last year. I mean, he's still very skinny. Mm-hmm. Like let's not get that twisted, but I I feel like last year when we first saw him on the field, it was like, wow, that guy is really skinny. Mm-hmm. And I kind of don't feel that way about him this okay. year. I think he put on some muscle. All right. Does that seem right to you or no? I don't notice a huge difference. I, don't I mean, he looks really skinny saying. to me last year. Maybe I'm just used to him at this point. Maybe that's all it is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't have any like vertical jump numbers on him because he didn't compete at the combine or pro day because he was hurt. Well, um, or was he hurt I don't remember how that one he just i don't think down. he wanted to participate okay but he's got hops like he that he can get up in the last two practices he made two plays in which he went up and and caught passes that were you know uh not not every receiver would get also like he's not like short
1: like, he's six foot like, he's a decent not like not tall he's also not like super short or anything and He has 69 percentile wingspan. So, you know, he has decent length to him. And Mm his arm length is 45 percentile. It's not huge, but he's not. He doesn't have short arms. That kind of helps out, too. He's like a spider. He's like a spider. (laughs) Um, Not a big spider fan. Not a big bugs fan,
2: I got to say. Kristen Roach of Roachfielders hates spiders. Yeah. Do you ever ever get those spiders that, like, jump? The jumping? You're talking
1: about, like, the, uh, what are those called? The cricket spider things? yeah yeah those are freaky sprickets sprickets
2: those are the worst
1: my parents had uh not realized so they had a bunch of them in their basement like that would just pop up over time but i think one time more recently they like looked at the ceiling and there was just like a ton up there and i was like <laughs> oh my god it was just like a nightmare uh so yeah they're pretty free i mean like I'd rather, those aren't as scary to me because it's like, I know it's a cricket and a cricket to me, isn't as scary as a spider, but they are kind of like the sudden nature of them jumping all around. You know, it's freaky are the lantern flies not be, not like on their own. Like they're fine when they are just laying around or whatever yeah. you see one, but I've had this happen. Like, I don't know, at least like a dozen times. I feel like where I'll just be walking outside or even at training camp where I'll just be like, you know, looking ahead normally, not thinking twice and I just like either feel something on my chest or I see something in the very bottom of my peripheral vision and it's something like crawling up my chest and I like freak out because it's those lantern flies. I feel like will just like start crawling up me. Maybe they think <laughs> yeah. I'm a tree, you know, like, cause they do that. Like that's what they do. Like they, they like ruin trees. However, how, uh, cause they like climb up them. And I don't know, like, I, I'm not a, I don't know. Like I'm not a I don't know what they do to them, but I know like people wrap stuff around their trees. so They can't crawl up, uh, past a certain point. Cause so it's like bad uh, okay. for the tree. Um. Anyway, uh, any final thoughts? James? Yeah, my
2: final thought will be on along those lines. Remember when the bee? Remember when the bee was after you, like years ago at training camp? <sighs> Maybe. Oh, the steps yeah, then... yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that <laughs> on the
1: steps. Yeah,
2: we were on the steps uh, at the NovaCare complex, and uh, you were you were near the top rail, I assume, as we always are, and a bee was buzzing around you. <laughs> it wouldn't, but it wasn't like. You were... <laughs> you ran down the. I mean, it's it's well, how many steps would you say there are? Like fourteen, sixteen, I don't, something like that. I don't
1: think it was a situation where I ran at first. Like <laughs> Buzz, it was like I was giving it some time, and it wouldn't go away. So I was like, at this point, I just have to leave because this thing is just like not going away. And it,
2: but and it followed you all the way it down did. the steps, it and did. then like even when you got to the bottom, like you turned right, right. And you and you at that point you like ran away from it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was. I was crying, laughing up, uh, <laughs> up at the top of the steps. Thanks to me. It's funny when a bee is bothering other people, yeah. but it really sucks when it's all over you.
1: It, it is true. Uh, that's a nice final thought. My final thought is a question, and dear people of Ohio, Ohioans, if you will, and Cleveland specifically, although it's more like Berea, Ohio, is where the Browns' practice facility is, lend me your recommendations if you have any yeah, for. That's a good call food or mostly food, but if any anything else at all pops up, mostly food, but anything else you want to throw my way uh, and Jimmy's way like, as well, at Brandon Yelton on Twitter and Instagram, at Jimmy Kemski on Twitter and Instagram, wouldn't mind hearing some recommendations because we will be out there the next couple of days. I fly out on Wednesday, Jimmy. I guess you're driving out tomorrow or day of? I'm driving out tomorrow morning, yeah. Okay, driving out tomorrow morning that, that tomorrow being Wednesday, August seventeenth. That's when the Eagles themselves are flying out to Cleveland, where they will practice against Deshaun Watson and the Browns. And by the way, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see Denzel Ward got activated from the Okay, so maybe he will be out there. I was right about. that
2: he was hurt. I wasn't I wasn't 100% on that when I said that on the podcast. So. Well,
1: I had a source who told me he was coming off the pup list, which is why <laughs> I said it's going to be some good matchups, clearly. Um, there you go. But, uh, yeah, so the Eagles will be doing that the next couple of days on Thursday and Friday. It'll be a good barometer of where this team is at. Uh, and then they will have a walkthrough on Saturday, closed to access before their preseason game, the weird preseason rare start time of 1 p.m. on a on a mm-hmm. Sunday so that's what's coming yeah. up here uh again as Jimmy mentioned no more training camp practices open to the media at the NovaCare complex so but for four total left to go and that's 25 percent of training camp right because it'll be 16 days at the end of it We're we're 12 days in we have uh one more quarter of training camp to go so that's what's coming up make sure you subscribe if you don't already somehow Leave a rating, review, all of that good stuff. Uh, check out my practice notes at bleedingregnation.com. Jimmy Kemsky's at phillyvoice.com. Make sure you follow the podcast Twitter account at BGN underscore radio. Make sure you check out our sponsors. Write to Sean Craft Jerky. Write to Sean.com. Discount code BGN20 for 20% off. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. Who you can call or text at this phone number. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. If you're looking to buy, sell, rent a house, or get some advice, you know, just check in for some real estate advice. Uh, all right, so that's today's show. We'll be back with you on Thursday for a post practice recap podcast recording about the Eagles Browns joint training camp practice. Very exciting stuff. So, Jimmy, I will talk to you then.
2: Goodbye, everybody.
0: And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at TheCurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to do list starts.